1: Hey everybody, it's Dave here and Darren over there. Welcome back to another episode of Two Old Bloggers with Darren and Dave. In today's episode, we have some exciting themes to discuss. First up, we dive into the topic of play action and how it has impacted the Vikings offense or how it hasn't. We'll analyze those struggles that the team faces without Justin Jefferson, and explore possible solutions. Next, we shift our, all our attention to some quick hitters. We are highlighting two, two standout players on the Vikings defense. Jordan Hicks has been making a significant impact and was named NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Congratulations to him. We'll delve into his impressive performance this season. Another player caught everybody's attention, and that was Josh Metellus, who has been excelling in Brian Flores' aggressive defense. I love aggression. We'll discuss his versatility and the value he brings to the team. Also we're going to go along with another O-line update because we have one this week. (laughs) Lastly, we'll finish it all up with a preview of the upcoming Your Minnesota Vikings hosting the San Francisco 49ers game on Monday night. Despite facing a formidable opponent, and the Niners are... We'll explore the strategies and key factors that could potentially lead to an upset victory for your Vikings. We'll also touch on the importance of monitoring the injury report as the availability of key players like Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Trent Williams, and Dre Greenlaw could impact the game. It's time to let's get this started on two old bloggers. Now. Vikings first in Skull presents this week in Vikings land with Darren and Dave, your two old bloggers. Hey everybody. It's Dave here and Darren over there. How are things in the great white North there, Darren? They're good,
0: Dave. Getting a little bit chillier now, and no complaints for me after the summer and
1: uh, fires from hell. So things are good. Things are good here. Hey, we had a couple days in the nineties, but we're going back down, which is wonderful. Going to get some rain yes. this week, which is always a good thing here. I want to thank everybody who's joined us. We got David Rinaldi, good Italian name. Travis Floyd, my wordless opinion. Good to see you, purple and gold for days, Mr. Justin Day. And if you haven't listened, after the show, go to Vikings First and Skull podcast stream and listen to his podcast only offering that went live this morning. Remember, Justin Day is part of us. We have Mr. Bob Swede, Michael Harrington is also here. Welcome, one and all. To this great, wonderful show, and there's my good friend, Norsefius. Glad to see you, buddy, and there's Anthony. Now, before we get started, I want to do a slight apology. I'm light on the graphics today, lighter than usual. I have graphics, but they're lighter than usual. That's because uh, the news in the world tends to fire up memories of mine, and uh, the only way I deal with it is creating art. I was creating art this week because the whole shit sandwich that's happening has me a little bit fired up, and hey, it happens. And any military guys out there that have experienced combat, been in combat situations, know the drill. And if you need a friend to talk to, you know where to find me. Please do. With that, we're going to start this show Hey, Davey Changes back. Everybody's saying hi. Purple Haze joining us. This is outstanding. All right. We always start with theme one. You named it Play Action. Did I? Uh, you did. <laughs> oh, well, uh,. I um, want to get
0: into, I think this is the theme du jour, if you're a Vikings fan, uh, Vikings blogger this week, is the Vikings offense. Um, talked last week about how it was going to look post-Justin Jefferson. We got our first look against the Bears Sunday, and it was not very good. <laughs> not, not very good at all. Um, everybody here knows, knows it all. Rattle it off anyway. Offense scored 12 points in total. Uh, 220 total yards, two at a foot 15 on third downs, which is horrible. No matter if you've got peewee pop Warner players in there. Um, the second half, when we really need to lay the hammer down when we actually had like at that point a 19 to six lead, I think, or something like that, second half, four of our six drives were three and outs. And the other two were only six plays each total. Um, that's pathetic. And 46 running game struggled again. 46 yards, 22 carries, so 2.1 yards per, per catch. So um, pretty disappointing overall, especially when you were going up against a Bears defense that was at 30th in points given up, 29th in yards allowed. Uh, they had they were getting back some of their their veteran sec- secondary guys, but still really disappointing output for the Vikings. And it doesn't take you know a whole lot of uh, imagination, Dave, to <laughs> to think that if the Vikings could only get 12 points against a terrible Bears defense, what are they going to do when they face the 49ers who are giving up 14.5 points per game? Like, it's pretty pretty scary to think about
1: what's going to go on. So, Well, um, Bob says, Kirk, in primetime, what could go wrong? And I've I've pictured (laughs) this piece was done from the Eagles game, which was in primetime, and we know what can go wrong. Yes we do but you you
0: i think of course justin jefferson not being there at least for four games and maybe longer any offense that's losing its best offensive player is going to be impacted by that so um you got to find a way to to deal with it uh and the hope was at least for me and we talked a bit about of it last week was that um the whole thing where O'Connell's talking about we got to reinvent it, reinvent ourselves as an offense. Well, my hope was was that okay Jefferson isn't there, so we're not going to focus and try to get the ball so much to one guy, even though that works a lot of times. Uh, you know what we was hoping that would happen was that we'd be be more multi dimensional, multifaceted, whatever word you want to use. We'd sprinkle in a little bit of KJ Osborne here, a little bit of TJ Hawkinson there, a little bit of Jordan Addison here, uh, and everybody would pitch in and the Vikings offense would be greater than the sum of its parts and still be productive. That did not go <laughs> well against the pairs again. And and that's concerning. So I think, you know, we know what the disease is. Uh, the question is like, what's the cure, <laughs> right? Um, I think right now, if, if you're looking for, I think big Dave and disagree with me all you want. If, if you're looking for a big schematic, changes or change of offensive philosophy or a mm-hmm. uh, totally odd, different offensive system. I don't think that's realistic with only 11 games left in the season. The Vikings have been drilling for all offseason training camp and through six games to, you know, have an offense a certain way. Kevin O'Connell has a certain offensive system and of philosophy. So that's not really going to change. So, um, and uh, so really like the cure as simple as it is, is like at a basic level, the Vikings, Basically, have to every guy from whether it's Brian O'Neill to Garrett Bradbury to Kirk Cousins to Jordan Addison to TJ Hawkinson, they've all got to everybody collectively has to play better than they've been playing and do that more consistently than they have play after play after play. Uh, if, if you don't have that, and uh, you know, that's that's one way that, that they, they know one of the main ways they're going to have to improve. I think if you're looking at <clears throat> again, like personnel decisions. Go ahead, Dave. It looks like you want to say something. I don't know. It's called common sense.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Which isn't common. Yes. (laughs) Don't get too Uh, fancy. Don't outthink yourself. Just execute and play sound football with (laughs) the talents you have remaining.
0: And that has been lacking in the first six games for sure, whether you look at all the, like the, 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 of course the turnovers, the drops, we lead the league and drop passes, you know, those things, especially when you're missing your top offensive player for those things really hurt and really add up. But, um, I think, you know, as far as the Vikings personnel wise, there's not a whole lot really that Kevin O'Connell can do. Um, I think overall with what we, with what we got, there's a few things that he can do. One of them is um, nothing new for everybody is that, okay, Alexander Madison. Um, Here's a guy that uh, two weeks ago, we talked about how I wasn't ready to give up on the Vikings running game and Madison, because I thought that the offensive line was at fault. They weren't opening up enough holes for him and that, and then he just had, had, the Vikings offensive or the Vikings running game and Madison, it had two strong games uh, in a row, uh, which was encouraging. But I said I wanted to hold off and I didn't want to anoint the running game as fixed. I wanted to see what they would do beyond that. Well, since the Carolina game, uh, you've had, they've had the chiefs where the offense, the running game wasn't that great. And then last week where they really struggled. So (laughs) And then Madison's also leading the team in drop passes. Uh, five out of, I think he's dropping like nineteen percent of the of the targets going his way. Uh, so he's you, know, you got to look at is it time to make a change at running back and switch out. Madison is your number one guy for somebody else. Well, the one guy on the on the, the Vikings roster right now who is more explosive, or more explosive runner than Madison. And unlike Ty Chandler, who doesn't seem to be getting a chance at all, unlike Ty Chandler has a little bit of a track record of being successful in the NFL is Cam Akers. So I think the time is now to switch the, switch it out. Uh, you go from Madison getting the bulk of the carries to Cam Akers getting the bulk of the carries. Maybe it doesn't work, but, Cam Akers has a different running style than Alexander Madison. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago and his long carry against the bears, I think kind of showed, showed that. I don't know if people remember the play. Uh, I looked it over a couple of times. Two snaps. Well, he had two touches, right? He got a, a screen pass and he took that for eight yards or seven yards. And then he had a running play for eight yards. The running play was he got the ball. The blocking was left. He went left. Wasn't a whole lot there, but you could kind of see his the running style he has and how it's different than Madison. How it can be more effective than Madison in, in some ways because on that play there wasn't much there. He did kind of a quick jump cut with to with his left went right avoided a would be tackler there. Then he scoots goes forward again. Then he took stuck us again more traffic not a whole lot of room. Then this little seam opened up and. Acre saw it, and then he took, stuck his foot in the ground, his right foot in the ground, cut to his left. Then he kind of made his body a little bit smaller. He kind of went a bit mm-hmm. sideways got through the seam, then went forward and he gets eight yards. Well, that is a run that I don't think Alexander Madison would ever make because um, he wouldn't be able to see that seam. And he'd just be like, I'm going left. I'm hitting that hole. Boom. <laughs> you know, and whatever's there, is there. Uh, and a lot of times it's not. So, <laughs> it vision. So I think that yeah, Akers gives you a different running style. He gives, he's, he's more a little bit. It was, that run was very patient. It showed great vision. Uh, it showed ability to move laterally and quickly. And those are kind of things that I think Madison lacks the more we watch him. And so it's a little thing, maybe it's not going to work, but I think Kevin O'Connell I know that you like to you believe maybe you believe in Madison maybe you feel it's not his fault O'Connell's talking about after the game how he felt there weren't, weren't a lot of holes for Alexander Manderson to run in and we do know that uh, there was some stat that said that the, the Vikings faced 8 in the box against the Bears um think um 36% of offensive snaps which is uh, about double what it had been when Justin Jefferson was in the lineup that isn't going to change so You need a running back who can, and if Madison can't deal with that kind of eight in the boxes and be productive, then you got to try somebody who is. Cam Akers is that guy. And so I think that the time is now against San Francisco, who's got a hell of a great defense, to switch it up. Um, And that may give you a little bit of a spark, might make the running game a little bit more effective. And uh and that will help the Vikings offense a little bit. So I think that's one personnel move that they can make with somebody that's already on the roster, who's probably better than the guy that's ahead of them right now, that they can do now, and I think they should do. Um the the other thing is that uh and this is the title of it: the play action. Well, in the Bears game, the Vikings went ran play action eight times by my count on 30 31 passes doesn't seem like a lot. I think it's 26%. I hadn't, didn't get a chance to look at the, the Vikings, um, uh, how much they use play action in the previous five games. So I don't know if that's average, above average, below average. But what I did notice from those eight play actions is that all, most of our... Our most, our most, some of our most effective passes and gains in that game came out of play action. The first play of the game was off a play action, 15 yarder to Madison or to Addison up the middle. Um, On the second drive, they hit uh, KJ Osborne with a 21 yard gain. That was off a play action. The pass that Addison dropped a couple of targets uh, drives later that would have been a 33 yard gain, by far the longest play of the game for the Vikings offense. That would have been a 33 yard game by Addison. He dropped it, but that was off of play action. And uh, the two, we had two screen passes that were off play action. That went for seven yards each from acres and Madison. So um, we we've uh, we've heard before, or I have anyway, I've seen stuff that said Kirk cross cousins is much more is a very effective play action passer. Um, and you don't, we've read stuff before about how you don't even need an effective running game to Run, do play action, and for it to be effective. So, even if Madison or Acres aren't getting it done on the with the running game, we can still run play action. So, I think that's another thing uh, um, in the future. You don't want to overuse something, Dave. But I think that that the play action could be and should be utilized a bit more, especially without Justin Jefferson. Again, just get those linebackers froze on, and the, you know the second level mm-hmm. guys froze, and and not being. Uh, assertive in how they react to something because they think, oh, maybe it's a run, then throw over that or under that. Uh, we need to do that a little bit more, I think, um, and see if that takes the offense and makes it a bit more effective and we get better, uh, more effective pass plays, more explosive pass plays and
1: gains out of those two things. Um, th- those it are a couple of things. Drives No going for five, three and outs in the second half.
0: Yes, uh, and, and again, if your are running games a little bit more effective and you're using play action to get and more... connecting on play, passes, people aren't yeah. dropping the football. Mm-hmm. And the, this week, I, the, the other thing that I didn't talk to you about, Dave, but I have been thinking about it, is just the other thing that the Vikings could do is, of course, what they did last year when it was trade for TJ T. Hawkinson. Uh, and... If you know that, if you think that Justin Jefferson is going to be out for longer than four weeks, um, maybe you look at acquiring uh, an offensive player that you think could help you in that situation. And we're hearing that there aren't a lot of obvious targets out there. We are hearing that the Broncos might want to unload Jerry Judy. Um, He's a guy, samey, you know, uh, that... Maybe that's – we don't know if the Vikings, Kwasi dofimenza if or Kevin O'Connell, if they believe that if they're going to be sellers or buyers at the trade deadline or if they're just not going to do anything at all. And I think a lot of that's going to depend on what happens Monday night against the 49ers and the following week against the Packers. But uh, that's the kind of the other thing. Do you bring in somebody else that the team's trading that you can – add a bit of juice to your offense and um, Judy is one of those guys hasn't been a super duper star at the NFL level, but his numbers have been pretty good at times and in the right environment, maybe they could be a lot better. Um, But overall, you know, so those are some things that the Vikings could and should do. And the whole, I think like this week I was listening to a few podcasts uh, where they talked about the Vikings' offense and what the problems are. And kind of the common theme has been that it's not just one thing. Yeah, uh, the turnovers are killing us. A lot of the drop passes are hurting it, but it's a lot of things happening play after play with different players at different times that is hurting us. It's an ill-time penalty. It's a block that get, gets missed. It's, a, it's a, like an Addison catching a, um, a, a screen that's set up for a big game, but he stops running to the pass. Loses his momentum, and that allows the, ta- the tacklers to kind of catch up to it. It's so a lot of lack of execution by various Viking offensive players that is uh, keeping holding this offensive b- offense back. And that goes back to the verse point about each player has to play better, more consistently play to play than they have been, and to get this offense a little bit better because you're not going to replace Justin Jefferson. So, what you know? How do you get the keep the offense afloat and and running well and running effectively? Well everybody else has got to step up their play and play better than they have been. And so far, that has not happened.
1: Right, because we don't have that eraser that JJ can be that erases somebody who's not at the top of their form on a particular play. We need everybody now to be on that top of the form to make up for that missing piece. And they're going to have to do it. And it's going to be a hard, hard challenge. Uh, Everybody's chiming in that nobody thinks they should trade for Judy. I don't think we'll talk about if if the Vikings are buyers here in the next two weeks, we'll talk about that a lot. Most people tend to think that they won't be buyers. They may be on the other end in sellers. And as I warned over on Justin's show during the week, warning to everybody, don't be surprised if the Vikings do nothing yes. at all. Or anything that you expect nor want. That would be typical of your Minnesota Vikings. So don't get your hopes up either way because who knows what's going to happen and how they feel. Because you have a dynamic going on between Coach Coach O'Connell who wants to win without a doubt and then... Kwesi, who wants to build the team of his future, and then the Wolves, who are putting restrictions on everything and how they like to run the business. So who knows what happens here in two weeks. These next two games will decidedly tell us more in the future. But the first one is they've got to get over these 49ers, even though it's going to be probably the toughest game they played all season. It,
0: to me, it's the toughest they've played so far. Might be the toughest they'll play all year. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. Grandizer said below that he he lost where I was going with this. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe I didn't, <laughs> but I, thought I was as clear as I could be. <laughs> yeah. just popping out a few things we can do to potentially, uh, you know, shake things up on the offense. Um, and yeah, back. I, I the defense get, is improving steadily and we'll get to that it is yep it is but uh I, I think that the the things that they can do to improve the offense without justin jefferson in there are pretty limited uh, <laughs> you know based on the personnel and uh, i almost kind of threw in jalen naylor in there like maybe you could move him instead of but i feel like he's kind of been like my white whale this year uh, <laughs> where, where uh like i i'm i'm overvaluing what he might do because just because i was hearing good things and i saw good things out of him in a, the last two games uh, the last two regular season games last year that i i, I think I'm, I'm definitely overselling the impact he could have if he got in the lineup but it, he at least he's been activated now and he's been practicing even on a right. he's basis he's 3 week window <laughs> you know I, you know it was one of those ones where what would you know, put Naylor in there instead of Brandon Powell. And maybe again, you get the, you know, that little bit of a little bit of an extra improvement on another player who's playing major snaps. And again, that helps the offense a little bit. And if every player ups their game a bit, or you replace guys who aren't performing with guys who are a little bit better, that helps the offense a little bit, makes it uh, play better, execute better, it should lead to more first downs, more first, first downs lead to more points, more points lead to more wins hmm yep, and that works every single
1: time. 12 and points ain't we get it done. <laughs> nope. And there's another option I heard, which makes sense, but it's not gonna happen. Miami's built on speed, right? That's how mm-hmm. they 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 want track meets, they want speed. Our speedsters are Ty Chandler, Kene Nwangu, who comes back this week, and Jalen Naylor, to speak of it. Justin Jefferson is also not slow. He's quite fast. But you're not going to see, most likely, Ty Chandler or Kenny Nwangu in the backfield So, because they have deficiencies elsewhere. But it would be sort of cool if the Vikings cranked up their speed a bit and see what happens. But I don't think we're there this week, and I don't think that's going to happen. Dan says, use more two tight end sets. I think Oliver has been a good weapon. I think Oliver's played well. He's an exceptional blocker. And yes, it's a good idea. I think it does work. Steven says he wants to see what Naylor can do. Naylor is just in that three weeks. I'm good. Bring me back up to the active squad window. So unless they do it this week, he will still live in that limbo spot. Where they don't have to do a um, roster move. So, just to let you know, Um, we'll get to how uh, Run CMC is looking when we get to theme three. But first, let's go to theme two. Quick hitters, and we have three of them today for you. The first one, first Indeed. one, B.
0: Jordan Hicks. NFC Defensive Player of the Week, David um, Jordan Hicks. Uh, I just spent and um, doing some quick hitters, and and um, because I just spent 50 minutes bitching about the Vikings offense, maybe it was 20 minutes, yeah. <laughs> or maybe it was even longer than that. Um, I figured I would. I would, again, I wanted to sprinkle in some love and affection uh, for the Vikings here in in the second theme, and and Jordan Hicks is one guy that I want to give a shout out to uh, defensive. And the de- NFC defensive player of the week this week, but he didn't. Jordan Hicks has not just had a good week, Dave. He has had a good season so far, a very good season for the Vikings. And um, a bit surprising to me because last year he was not very good. At least I didn't think he was very good. Uh, I thought that the Vikings, he should have been one of their. I was asking, figuring that, or asking, hoping, I think that he would be one of the cuts, uh, that we'd make a, a, a cut and save some cash and then give his starting job to Brian Asamoah Asim- or somebody else younger mm-hmm. and better, hopefully better. Um, instead, Hicks uh, took a pay cut, came back to the team. The Vikings kept him around, and and boy, am I glad that they did because he has been playing really, really well. Best of um, his career. If, like, uh, I, as I was re-watching the Chicago game, I was like, every friggin' play, Hicks is either in on the tackle in on the pile or almost near it. Like he was around the ball all game. Uh, And we, and we know about the the scoop and score that he got. We know about the interception he had, but you know, his, his, um, his stats don't counting stats. Don't, you know, leap off the page. Actually doesn't have any sacks. Uh, He's got 52 total tackles, 30 of them are solo. I think one pass defense, but He's had a knack of making big plays at, at big times. He had that strip. Uh, he had a, a fumble, recovered the fumble against the Chargers. That was a pretty big play. Um, he made that great, that interception of when Justin Fields got his arm hit by Hunter. He had that, made that great over-the-shoulder catch uh, for the interception at a key time in that game when the Bears were driving to take the lead. And then, of course, later on, Metellus gets the strip sack, Hicks picks it up like nobody's business, Scoots in for the, the touchdown, a huge play at that point in the game. So um, he has been, again, he's been. If if you look at his uh, his PFF grades right now, he's uh, he's at eighty point three. So he, arguably, he's probably maybe the second very best good. Player. Yeah, if I test. You'd say he's the second best defensive player the Vikings have this year, besides you know other than Daniel Hunter, but the PFF grades would say he's the best defensive player we have really on the team right now and, you know, playing 97% of the de- defensive snaps. So he's on the field all the time. Like he's not being taken off at all. Um, and, and there was kind of one play he's, he just makes smart heady plays Dave. And one of them I was just thinking about, was in the chiefs game second half. Uh, I can't remember, somewhere in the third quarter, I think Mahomes got flushed out of the pocket. Uh, And he's going to his left, and Hicks is there following him. And now Hicks couldn't go to him and and try to tackle him and sack him because there was a receiver beyond Hicks that Mahomes just would have thrown the ball over Hicks's head if Hicks had gone to him. But Hicks played it really smart. He just kept stringing Mahomes along, but he was deep enough that Mahomes couldn't really. There was a. Mahomes didn't have the, the room to throw it over his head. But he also wasn't so deep that Mahomes couldn't go past the line of scrimmage and get a big gain. So at some, eventually Mahomes ran out of time. He had to throw it, and Hicks, he tipped the the ball incomplete. You know, just a great play. It wasn't a big play in the game, but just a smart, technique-wise, everything, Hicks did everything right on that play in a situation where he was in a big bind, <laughs> right? And those are the kind of plays that he's been making all all the time. And, and that's one of those things that also uh, illustrates – one of the big improvements in this game compared to the last year and previous in the past three or four years is that in pass coverage last year, Hicks was a real liability in pass coverage. He often got taken off the field on passing downs and Kendricks was the linebacker that was kept in the game this year. That ain't happening. Hicks is in there all the time and his pass coverage grade is, is, is an 80 this year. That's the, that's like 30 to 40 points higher than it's been the previous four seasons. So big, big, uh, improvements by Hicks in pass coverage in particular. He's always been a strong run defender. Uh, but I think that's the reason why he's been able to stay on the field more and is never coming off the peel, field as opposed to last year when he was he only played about 80% of the Vikings defensive snaps. This year it's pretty much a hundred percent. And the improvement in pass coverage is, I think, a big reason why. But big shout out to Jordan Hicks. Uh, the Vikings are going to have a decision with him in the offseason because he is, his two year contract is up. He's 32 years old. What do you do? Like, if mm-hmm. he if he continues to play like this, you'd have to say, well, you got to keep him. He played so good, but he's also 32. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, we it's know that, that age, Cliff Hicks. We saw it last year
1: with Kendricks.
0: Yeah. So. Hicks been a real strong, strong player for us, and and I think a, a big reason, you know, with the Vikings' defense slowly improving, he's a big reason why. And if it continues to improve, he's going to be a big reason why. Um, another guy I want to talk about is Josh Metellus on the defensive side. Early in the, we know in the off season, Brian Flores mentioned a couple of times this where one's he was for
1: Norsevius.
0: Ah, uh, Brian Flores talked about. He was talking up Josh Metellus big time, said he was going to have a, he, he to have a big role in the new defense. Uh, but you hear that kind of stuff in the offseason about a lot of players, and sometimes it's just talk. Well, it hasn't turned out to be talk for, um, for Josh Metellus. He has been playing 86% of the defensive snaps, so essentially he is a starter on this Brian Flores defense. And he's done a really great job. Uh, I think uh, he's a bit of a, he's a hybrid guy. He's kind of part safety, part inside linebacker, part even nickel. Uh, So real unique skill set that he has. And Thoris is using him in the right way. He's got Metellus up on the line of scrimmage, nosy at the line of scrimmage a lot, threatening to blitz, doesn't always blitz. He does send him a fair bit, but he also drops him into coverage. Um, Metellus does hurt us a little bit. Sometimes he's, you know, teams do, Pick on him on the run game a little bit, but overall, his PFF grade again seventy three point nine. That is very good. That's seventeenth out of eighty five safeties they've got ranked. Uh, And again, he's been he's got real unique skill set. He doesn't look he looks very comfortable covering wide receivers and in in space, which was something I didn't would have never thought that he could have done two or three years ago. Uh, And you know he's not bad in the run game. He's been, he got his first sack last uh, against the Bears and he'd come close in other games as well. He's been really effective, I think, as a blitzer. Uh, he's got a couple of passes, defense, um, 42 tackles overall. Y- you know, Brian Flores, he's really, he is really working out well in this aggressive blitz-heavy scheme that Brian Flores is, is using. And and Brian Flores still doesn't have the horses to have a dominant defense yet with that mm-hmm. style that he's using with the Vikings. But when he does, if he gets it, Josh Metellus is still, I think, still going to be a big part of that defense and and a, and a very strong, strong asset for the Vikings defense and just really happy with how Josh Metellus is playing this year. I think he's been playing very, very well and very, very happy with him.
1: He's a heck of a story because we remember him when we drafted him out of Michigan and that first year, his rookie season he was horrible and all he was brought in to do was supposedly catch punts but he couldn't even do that well and he was cut and then brought back onto the practice squad and then he has developed there was some light switch that clicked on about at the end of year 3 or you know between year 3 and 4 or whatever it was and he has become a really good safety and and especially in the hybrid role and I'm happy for him. It's a great story. It's it's wonderful, and we know that uh, Hitman just sings his praises up and down. And uh, it's a
0: there's a we talk about depth on the Vikings roster. The the safety wise, the depth is is very very strong at safety because Bynum's been playing very well. I think the PFF Graves also marked uh, that out man has been kind of quiet. He had that fantastic game against Carolina, but I think, you know, he's being utilized as we expected with Flores getting blitzed a lot, being up the line of scrimmage, the things we didn't see last year under Ed Donatel. Um, you got Metellus and even Theo Jackson. Uh, he hasn't been in a lot, but when he's been in there, you know, he's he had an interception this year. You know, he's... He's trusted. Uh, so you got four guys there that I think you could put in there, and you could feel pretty good about them when they're in the game, which is not something you can say about a lot of positions. Right. <laughs> the
1: Vikings, oh, without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. But at safety, we are good. And as uh, Mateo says, and welcome, Mateo, uh, Mattel is making the drafting of scene look even worse. Yes, but I – I put that all on scene, not on Metellus. You want players to play smart, as Dan says, like Metellus does, and that includes scene. And we hope scene figures it out and has that light bulb moment as well. True. And because Hitman ain't going to be here forever, so somebody is going to
0: have to slide into that third safety role when Hitman is no longer a Viking. Uh, And so you got Bynum Metellus, and then who else? Is it going to be maybe it'll be Lewis scene next year? Uh, like I said, uh, you would you would hope so, but uh, very happy with Jost Metellus, and he's a as you said, Dave, a real feel good good news story for the Vikings, six round draft pick who's been playing really really well in a new defense in a new role for him.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that brings us to the third quick hitter. Yes, the old well, line. Oh. Second one, Dave.
0: So we got oh. the. Or uh, looking at some other well, you defensive the
1: spot where you are talk about the rest of the defense.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's. Uh, I think that, that I wanted to get in. I think that there's some beyond the O line. Um, how are we going to do this, Dave? Go line first, and then well, <laughs> talk about some. Stuff. Yeah. Well, I just wanted. I feel that in the in the Bears game, there was a few defensive developed personnel developments that we should keep track of, uh, and. um guys that got snaps, a significant amount of snaps and playing time that hadn't been seeing it. and looking at whether this is a new, something that uh, we will uh, see going forward, the Vikings. I think the first one is Kyrus Tonga uh, had been inactive for three games, made active in the bears game, and he played 30 snaps. Uh, so that was way, you know, way up to what he was playing, even in the two games that he was active for. Interesting. I don't know. Um, I thought he played fine, uh, but um I don't know whether Flores felt he needed to be beefier against the Bears because they probably weren't going to pass as much. They're going to run more. Uh, or he felt that Jake and Roy just did not do enough with his uh, his playing time and didn't like what he saw and wanted to put Tonga in there. But that's something to see whether... Because I thought Tonga going into the season, that he was going to have a, a, you know, a fairly significant role in this defense. It mm-hmm. hasn't turned out that way. Uh, but maybe... Again, what Flores is seeing, maybe seeing Tonga had some good week of practices and also Flores is not liking what he's seeing with some of the other guys that are are better on the defensive line and what they're doing with their playing time. So he's going to give Tonga another try. We'll see if this was just a, a one-game matchup type thing or whether it's something that Tonga is going to get more playing time in the next few games to see how it all shakes out. That was one. Uh, Aaron talked about Andrew Booth Jr. He got 26 snaps against the Bears. That's in the previous five games, he would had four total. <laughs> so, so the um, uh, you know I think that's a huge development for, for him. He basically replaced Makai Blackman as the start as the third corner in the Vikings defense against the Bears. And this came after the previous game, Makai Blackman had his career high in defensive snaps played with forty six. So, um, it, it, that I think that was an interesting development because. Booth was clearly had been behind Blackman in the depth charts since training camp, preseason and into the regular season and then all of a sudden this one game he's taking all the snaps from Blackman. Uh Flores said this week that Booth had earned it in practice. Uh he also I think that Flores probably wasn't impressed with the what he saw in the 46 snaps that Blackman played again against the Chiefs. Uh that's what you can infer, but again, another thing to watch for because Booth is one of those guys Uh, He's one of the poster childs for um, that bust of a 2022 draft draft call. Mm -hmm. So I think this is encouraging. This is good. If Booth is showing growth in his game and that Flores trusts him enough to put in there and play uh, in in an NFL regular season game, that is a good thing. I I don't care who is playing in the secondary, whether you're a first rounder, second rounder, or a free agent, uh, as long as you're playing well. And I think Booth, again, played okay. Uh, I think he, he had one pass breakup, a couple of tackles. He had one pass completed against him. But the Bears didn't really target him a lot. But uh, we'll see again this week if Flores is going to play him as the third corner as opposed to Makai Blackman in there against the 49ers and in future games. Uh, and the third guy...
1: It may be a may- matchup thing True. too. Because yeah. Booth is the more man-on-corner type, bigger... Um, can handle the bigger wide receivers, et cetera, whereas Blackman is a little bit smaller than that. Oh, I do want to address Roy and what Metellus said. I want, Matteo, um, not Metellus, Mateo, I want Roy to come out firing and click. I don't think he's clicked yet. I think he's going to be good in the future. That's just, it's it's that first-year adjustments, to the NFL. I don't think he's there yet. I want him to be, but we shall, we'll see. And it may, and for him, it may be a matchup between him and Tonga. It may be a matchup type deal. We'll find out how Flores is viewing that as the season progresses. And, and
0: Roy was a fifth round pick too. So it's not like he's some blue chip guy. Like he may right. take he's gonna he was a guy that coming out, I think the the book on him was he's gonna take time to develop and grow into his role, but that he was a potential guy who could start along your defensive line, but just maybe not right away. So um I, I wasn't expecting Roy to make a big impact on the Vikings defense this year as a rookie either, but uh, happy to be proven wrong on that. Um the last snap count I wanna mention is Brian Asamoa. Um, he got seven defensive snaps against the Bears, which isn't a lot, but uh, considering that there was only a linebacker next to to Jordan Hicks on 19 defensive snaps, um, and that was the most snaps he'd had since Week Two against Philly. I think that is also significant. He, uh, he ate into the snaps that Ivan Pace has been getting. Uh, Pace only played 12, and Pace has been pretty quiet the past couple of games. Maybe hitting a bit of a rookie wall, perhaps, but. Um, and when Asamo was in there, Flores used him like you'd you'd want to see him. Like he was, Asamo was going 100 miles an hour forward <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> on horses and trying to hit gaps. Uh, he hit the wrong gaps sometimes and it didn't lead in, into any big plays. Although he almost had a couple of tackle for losses and a sack, but you can see in what he played with that speed and that sideline and the, and the the motor that he has and the quickness that he has that he could be an interesting weapon to use in there um and again another guy that we'll see if if was it a matchup thing or was it he's getting better and Flores wants to reward him for that and he feels that pace is slipping a little bit so I, we'll see in the 49ers game if Asimov gets a bit more play and what he does with that but again another one of those 2022 draft picks bust the bus class if he can start Coming on and being better that's again is a good thing for the vikings defense you know you never know when somebody's going to get injured, you never know when somebody 's going to suddenly be un- ineffective uh, and hey, the more good players you get, the better so good to see that mm-hmm. it'll be a positive development that Asaba is again growing and getting better in his game after a tough start to a second year,
1: yep, especially when they 're cheap
0: yes, uh, and yeah. now the offensive line uh, your your favorite Dave, but uh wanted to talk about the offensive line uh the Vikings offensive line and their grades which are very very good according to Pro Football Focus um
1: check and out these ba- PFF they are That's right. SIS and uh oh what's the other one the other big one Yes, has got them uh you um, know there's some has interests. them up there. Yep. But
0: um, PFF check out these grades folks for the Vikings starting five offensive linemen Christian Derisaw, number one rated tackle in the NFL, according to PFF. Ezra Cleveland, ninth highest graded guard that they're grading in the NFL. With hundred. somebody, an offensive line with at least 100 snaps. Um, Garrett Bradbury. Yeah, yeah, out of 80. Garrett Bradbury, second out of 39 centers that they've got graded. He's Uh, never been that high before. Never. (laughs) Even Ed Ingram, the much maligned Ed Ingram. 22nd out of 80 guards. You know, that's not bad. Uh, and then Brian O'Neill, sixth uh, ranked tackle in the NFL. So you got the first ranked tackle, the sixth ranked tackle, the second ranked center, the ninth best ranked guard, uh, and even the 22nd ranked other guard, like Dave. Viking fans, myself, we have been crying for these kind of grades and from offensive linemen for a decade, uh, and here we're getting them. Even es like you talked about other metrics, ESPN uh, metrics, their pass and run block win rate. They have the Vikings sixth in pass block win rate and twelfth in run block win rate. So again, that's that's very good. uh So those grades sound good. I guess the the question is, shouldn't our offense be better? If your offensive line, if you if you if you know, if the, the the crux, if the if the if the you know, you if the games are won, football games are won in the trenches. How come our offense isn't better when our offensive line apparently is playing so good? You know, that's the the question I have. Maybe that's a uh, you know, the, it the a run game. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's true. maybe this is if again uh, maybe this is a situation where um Alexander Madison is the problem in the running game. If our offensive line isn't blocking well, but we can't get you know explosive runs and very and you know positive runs most of the time with Madison as the running back, maybe he is the problem. And I I don't know. It's just a strange strange thing. Uh, it's great to hear, but it's a very Vikings I think uh, issue where again, one of the 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 football, the the I think the foundational Truisms you hear about football is again, it's one in the trenches, and you need a good offensive line to have a good offense and this year the Vikings apparently have a very good offensive line, and their offense is not is mediocre <laughs> like you know that's just so typical vikings thing uh, hey, I I, dave i'd be happy I'd be interested to get your thoughts on
1: you know what you make of all of this uh, it, like I said, we've enjoyed. A good offensive line. Now, there's been moments when this good offensive line, each one of them has done something stupid yeah. and yeah. given up a sack or whatever, and that goes across the board. Now, I can't think of one on Darisaw. I can think of one where you yeah. got a poorish block, but we've seen Ezra be a turnstile at times. We've seen um Bradbury mess up at times. We've obviously seen Ed Op mess up at times, and even seen O'Neal mess up at times. The grades are the same no matter, even though there's an O-line crisis amongst the league, the grades are, PFF generates them, watches them the same way every, and they don't look team-specific. They're not getting paid off by the Eagles going, hey, here, juice our grades for an extra $2,000 this week. They're not yeah. doing that. At least I hope they're not. Um, it's they're doing better, and you can see it. I can see it on the field because I know I sort of know what I'm looking at, mm-hmm. and the fact that I played the position, I know what I like seeing. Now, I prefer a power game, but we don't have that. But even in the zones, they're getting their heads in the right spots. It's O line is a. Can be real simple in the fact that not only you're beating your guy and you're strong and you're, you know, defending heads, but you're putting your hat on the right right side, the correct side of where it's supposed to go. And as taught as a defender is that when you get blocked by an offensive lineman, the ball's going to where he puts his head. So if his head's on, you know, up on this side of me, I've got to go through his head. If I go through his head you're getting to where the ball is. Well, mm-hmm. these guys are putting their heads in the right spots. They're doing it correctly. And the only way to beat them is to go through them. And they're not making people go through them. They're doing their job, which is, I think, fantastic. And rap, I very much want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for that super chat. Appreciate it very much. We all do here at Vikings first in Skull, And uh, you rock, brother. You rock. Now, what it points out to me is that we've got deficiencies elsewhere that are causing the issues, that it's not the offensive line because they're doing well. And then when you start looking at to where the deficiencies are, Kirk Cousins is making his passes. Now, would you like him to be more pocket aware? Oh, hell yes, you would, without a doubt, and be able to sidestep left, right, whatever. He doesn't have to scramble out. Um He rarely does that, and he doesn't. He's not known for that ability. I mean, he's done it before and done well, but he needs to be able to move side by side to optimize them even more. And uh, so I don't think it's Kirk Cousins in the fact that he has time to throw the ball, he has time to hand off the ball. All that's going relatively smoothly, with the exception of a couple hiccups, um, i.e., stripping the ball when you're pulling which is a fluke issue but, or stepping on his feet or whatever it is, right? It hasn't happened yet this year. (laughs) (laughs) Knock on wood. Live on Monday night, you can guarantee. (laughs) Live on Monday night. Um, So, then it comes down are the receivers the issue? Well, the receivers are good however, they're having way too many drops more than we like. Surprisingly, TJ Hawkinson is tied for lead league for tight ends and catches. Most people don't know that, but he is. But he also leads the league for tight end drops, and those <laughs> drops are absolutely infuriating. Because yes, they're hard balls to catch, and I've had excuses for him when hand flashes across his eyes and stuff like those are hard to catch. And they've been max where he's reaching out of his frame to get them. They've been really difficult catches. But we saw him catch them last year and especially after his payday. And he's not catching them this year. And part of that is I don't think he's in sync because he had contractitis during all of training camp. So <laughs> um that plays a part. Jordan Addison. New rookie, you're not expecting superstardom from him. At least you shouldn't. He's shown signs, but he's also dropped a couple balls. KJ Osborne, I have no idea why he's not catching more this season than he has in the past. It's now, granted, some of them are bad throws. You throw behind him, he's not gonna. Yeah, he sort of ducked and did whatever that uncatchable pass. That's a timing pass. That's a Kirk Cousins. KJ, deal. The timing's off on that one. There are examples where the wide receivers could do better. But it's not primarily on them because we've generated some good pass numbers during some of the games this year, right? Last week was bad. <laughs> um I mean, there's been a few games where they're just horrible, Kirk's worse. And and it's not just Kirk on those, it's also the wide receivers causing Kirk's horse. Kirk gets most of the blame, but it's not just him. But it comes down to how well are we running the football? How well are those plays called? How well is the back cutting? And it's pointing to me more and more, I like Alexander Madison. I do, honest, I do. But I think he's a north-south runner and does not fit as well in the this current scheme. He did well in wide zone. He did well under Zimmer. You know, every time he played in as the starter, he got over 100 yards. But in this time, under Kevin O'Connell, he's not. And I don't know Mm -hmm. if it's they're asking him to do something different or he just doesn't have the ability. That's why I want to see Akers Acres, 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 and Madison can come in relief. And then Madison is the number two guy. And the easiest way to tell him, yes, I told you you were going to be the starter. You were the starter. But we're trying something else because we are not as productive as we need to be. And if acres beat you out in practice, I'm putting acres on the field as the one, RB1. And then see where we go from there. Because I think that's about the only way you can fix it. Because everything's, everything we want is going well on the offensive line for the most part, and then it falls off in another area. You know, it's like you fix this leak in the boat, and another one springs. Yeah. So you go fix that yeah. one, and another one springs. And then you go fix the other one, and then three more come up, and you're going like, what the hell? And you're constantly fighting it. But I'm happy the old line's this way. They're young. Everybody's yes. on their first contract, except for Brian O'Neill and he got his second contract, and he's lined up. We were worried about his torn Achilles. He looks great this year, right? Yeah. We know Derisaw is going to get bank when he goes because number one tackle in the NFL and you play left tackle. He's getting <laughs> $30 million a year. Yeah. It's, it's going to be large. Just brace yourself. And you wouldn't want it any other way. And when Judd floated the uh, theory about what if people are calling and asking for Christian Dyersaw? They're not going to get rid of them just like they're not going to get rid of Justin Jefferson. Those are two key cornerstones to your offense. You don't get rid of those. you keep them. When was the last time we had a, if you want to call it, a franchise left tackle? Uh, Yerry well, did uh, Matt Gary hoped you know? would, but he went to shit after it, his you know, first.
0: Season. Right tackle or left tackle? Left. Uh, I've always heard. Yeah. So Tim Irwin was on the right back in the 80s. Gary Zimmerman was on the left. I would say he was Zimmer. the last. Yeah. Zimmerman. He was, he was in would have been the last like elite tackle that we had, had uh, so. left
1: tackle. You keep those. They don't grow on trees and they don't come around except for once every 30 years. So you keep them. So Judd was a little off. I appreciate Judd's thinking. Yes, will you get a big value for it? Oh, you should. Should be a Herschel Walker type. Same with JJ. But is it worth it? I don't think so. But you so, can't trade away
0: every young guy every, just because he's about to get paid, right? Right. Because <laughs> the guys that you, you the guys you get trading, you know, like if you get a young vet. As part of the trade or the draft picks, there's no, there's certainly no guarantee that whoever you draft is going to be as good or better than the guy that you just traded away. Lock up the guy that's a known quantity, uh, and especially can, when, when they're that rare. The yeah, S-
1: especially when they're that rare. JJ yeah. and Barisal are that rare, so it's uh, it makes sense that you lock those two up, no matter what. Period. Yeah all right that brings us to theme three
0: Aaron says the horns are driving him to drink uh, Seven <laughs> nothing to them the last I checked I don't know what the score is now I don't know but it's they're obviously
1: playing yeah oh they're playing the Monday night game Vikings hosting the San Francisco 49ers who are probably the most Probably the best all-round team in the NFL right now. They would get my vote. Dave, run the slides. <laughs> Got to start with the slides. Yep. We're going to start with the injury report. This was taking from yesterday afternoon when it came out. There's only been one update that I've seen so far. When it comes to your Minnesota Vikings, Ezra Cleveland did not practice yesterday. It was announced, I saw a tweet by Alec Lewis of The Athletic, that Kevin O'Connell says Ezra will be out on this weekend, Monday night. And the Dalton Reisner era begins in fall as your left guard starting. Cornerback Caleb Evans was limited practice, edge rusher, Patrick Jones was limited practice, and we have wide receiver Jalen Naylor up there as limited practice. I've got this special carrot symbol on there because he's in the window and he's officially not active yet until they say he's active and do the appropriate roster moves, but he is getting there, and being limited practice on the first week of your open window is a good sign. Then we get to the 49ers. We have, as of yesterday, Christian McCaffrey had not practiced all week. Debo Samuel's did not practice last week. And I see that Justin says Debo has already been ruled out. That is freaking awesome. Um, He also mentions the next guy, the best tackle in football, Mr. Trent Williams not by grade, but by his career, he is doubtful. And if you remember, doubtful is about a 75% no play. Questionable is 50-50. Then we get to left guard Aaron Banks, limited practice. Left uh, linebacker Dre Greenlaw, limited practice, who you've been watching. Uh, Justin says CMC is going to be listed as questionable and cornerback George Odom as limited practice. All of those guys, except for Odom, are starters, primary starters. So, hey, the whole left side of the offensive line for the Niners is out. I'm all for that. I'll take two. (laughs) Then we get to uh, next in the series, as we normally say, The games generally go, and I would say this is probably over 90% correct, by strength of quarterback. The better quarterback generally wins the game. Well, in this case, Kirk Cousins in his power ranking is now 13th. He's dropped. He was 10th last week. He's now 13th, thanks to his lousy game last week against the Chicago Bears. Brock Purdy took his place and is now in 10th. Brock Purdy, who you think does nothing really spectacular, but he does everything excessively well, so yeah. he is up to ten. And what a fine for San Francisco he was! Last well, pick of the draft. <laughs> after you whiff on a giving up three first rounds for yeah. a quarterback Lance. that could be your future. Yep, um, get gifted into that. Mm-hmm. Now, when it comes to the O versus the D. We have the Vikings offense. Believe it or not, PFF has them going up to sixth overall. Okay, PFF. I don't know what you're smoking, but I'll take it. Then comes DVOA. DVOA has us dropping to 15th, 16th in the pass, which is a drop, and 24th in the run. We get to Elias Sports Bureau numbers, which are the ones you see on ESPN, NFL.com, CBS, all across there, your box score numbers. Elias Sports Bureau is the official stat counter for the NFL and many other major sports. They have us 12th in yards. We're dropping. Third in passing. 30th in rushing. 18th in points. We went up a little bit in points. I don't know how we haven't scored that much. We have uh, taken 15 sacks. We have given the ball away. We rank 32nd. That's because we can't rank 33rd. We've given away the ball 13 times on offense, and we have a minus seven differential, which actually moved up thanks to our defense. When we get over to the 49ers defense, where this offense is going to face, and this, folks, I'm telling you right now, the biggest challenge of this game will be our offense against their defense. 49ers defense power ranking by PFF is numero uno, best defense in the league. DVOA has them fifth overall, second against the pass and 22nd against the run. So that tells you, hey, hey, maybe you might try to run the ball more effectively. You might be successful, but we'll see. Live Sports Bureau has them third in yards total, 10th in passing, fifth in rushing, means they can rush the ball and run CMC as part of that. First in points, which should tell you, with all the other stats a little bit lower means they are efficient and they score unlike your Minnesota Vikings who are very inefficient and have not put those points on the board during drives they have they rank 19th in sacks they have a grand total of 15 sacks so far this season and they have 7 to, uh, rank 7th in takeaways with 11 So it's a pretty fair matchup. The Vikings are underdogs by a full touchdown as of this morning. And the over-under is 44 even. So if you are a wagering person and you're betting the over-under, be advised 44 even. Any even number means you can have a push. And if you have a push, you lose. All right. Flipping the script, we have the defense against the offense. The Vikings defense is currently 19th, moving up in power rankings for PFF. They are, on DVOA, 15th overall. Middle league, mediocre. That's what we wanted. That was the goal. That's what we wanted, Dave. Uh, They are 15th in yards, or, or, pardon me, 15th overall, 15th in the pass, and 16th in the run. Dead center, and they're improving. So hope that keeps inching its way up. Elias Sports Bureau were fifteenth in yards, which is an improvement over last week. Seventeenth against the pass, eighteenth in rushing, twenty-first in points. We want that number to be better. Our defense to improve that way. We are tenth in sacks with eighteen, and we are twenty-first with six takeaways. We had three of them last week. That's how well, that improved. Now, looking at the Niners offense. PFF has them overall as 10th. Because that's where there's a little bit of difference. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Norsevius, my friend, for your $5 super chat. And uh, do I offer um, artwork I have in the past. My stuff generally is not cheap. Just to let you know, um, uh, non original originals pricey. Yeah. Um, because I, I get it. Gallery quality prints. I go to a very expensive print shops because I believe I want my stuff to last. Uh, but I do, and I should go cheaper prints. They would have to contact me either via Twitter or Facebook. You can find me either way and PM me and we'll do it. We might actually do it if I get a little bit of a gumption up to do some prints to sell or give away as being a member of Vikings First in the Skull on our YouTube page. Yeah. That would be very nice and I do want to get some t-shirts printed up with some of our logos and other stuff and that may be a future thing. North Fias and Keep on me for that, because I just may do that. Now, the offense for the 49ers, PFF, power ranking of 14th. Overall, DVOA has them second. See, there's a huge difference there, but okay. First and pass, there's a difference between what you thought before. Third on the run game. Hey, one of the reasons DVOA does that is because they look at efficiency quite as well, and they are efficient. Live Sports Bureau has them 6 in yards, 13th in passing, 3rd in rushing, and 2nd in points for generating points. That's why they are the most overall well-rounded teams in the NFL. They've taken 11 sacks, they've given away the ball only, they're ranked 2nd, and they've only given it away 3 times. Just 3 yeah. in 6 games. So that's one every two games. Compare that to us. Let's not. <laughs> uh, they are sitting at a plus eight differential on the season. They have eight more uh takeaways than giveaways. So they're good. It's it's a good team. It is literally the best we'll have played all season. Um uh, Aaron says he's all purpled up, custom-made purple curtains, 82-inch TV, and he sees the beard out. (laughs) Aaron sounds sweet. Biggest TV in my house, 75, and it's not generally the one I watch. Um, But that sounds sweet. One day. One day, my friend. One day. And that brings us to the final spot, the special teams. The Vikings have dropped to 23rd overall per DVOA, and this is not just kicking, punting. It's the whole kickoff team, kick-receiving, punt punt team, punt-receiving, etc. They've dropped 23rd, even with the sneak, and uh, whereas special teams of the Niners are ranked 20th. So they're pretty much evenly matched. We'll see how that goes. Biggest worry so far could be this man.
0: Well, I think Dave, the the most important slide you put up there was the injury one for this game, and hmm. I think it, for again, it's the forty nine ers and the Vikings. You've seen the stats; they outrank us in just about every category. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it, and depending on looking at EVOA, you know Elias, um, PFF. PFF. Mm-hmm. They've got us beat in, in all those areas. So, but uh, so I think that the real important thing—the way that the Vikings, Vikings have a chance to win this one—those uh, the, the, three, four guys that are are hurting. Uh, it sure, if if they can't play, and now we know that we, I guess Samuel is not playing. Trent Williams likely won't play. That's a huge, huge, huge help for the Vikings. So it's like Green, Greenlaw will play, but the guy that would really help the Vikings immensely their chances of winning if he doesn't play is Christian McCaffrey, C, run CMC. Mm-hmm. Um, Samuel's really good. I love him as a player. Uh, but McCaffrey, I was reading a story early the week on ESPN where they talked about how when the 49ers acquired McCaffrey last year, before that, their offense was actually was really struggling. Um, there wasn't an explosive offense, even with Brian Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle and having Samuel there. Um McCaffrey got there, and they just took they took their offense to a whole other level. That, and also when Garoppolo had his season-ending injury and they got Purdy in there, Purdy was an upgrade, that also took him. But Samuel, uh, McCaffrey is the guy that he really gets makes his offensive run. Uh, impossible matchup out of the backfield. Linebackers, safeties can't cover him. He's equally as deadly there as he is running the ball. And so if he is out of the game, that... In itself, could give yeah. the Vikings a big, yeah, could give the Vikings defense a big leg up. The Vikings defense is improving, like I said, they've gradually gotten better over the past six games. But uh, overall, like if McCaffrey is in the game, it's just he's a matchup that there's really is the Vikings don't have an antidote to him. Uh, nobody in the league has had an antidote to him right now. And so if he's playing and he's able to play the whole game, it's going to be. Going to be a long, long night for the Vikings, I think. Uh, and and even with Samuel out, if you got McCaffrey in there, Kittle, Ayuk, and even Juwan Jennings at t- every game, the guy makes one or two big catches, and you're like, where the hell did he come from? Right? I just <laughs> those are too many weapons. The Vikings don't have enough guys to match up uh, on those. Brandon Ayuk's averaging almost over 18 yards a catch this year. Like he's right. going gangbusters. Um, so if those with, if McCaffrey can play along with Ayuk and Kittle playing and Juwan Jennings, even with Samuel, um, I think, I don't think that the defense is improved as it is that we have the horses to stop San Francisco enough to I keep don't. this game close uh, because guys on the other died. end, yeah. yeah um, we'd see, we'll see how much of a difference that makes with Williams. If he can't play both in the run game, in the pass game, the rest of the, of the 49ers offensive line, if you look at, again, PFF ratings and that sort of thing, is pretty average or below average. Williams is not. Uh, but uh, if he's not playing, you know, that's a much help. But really, I think that that man, that would, Thanks Chris that. McCaffrey is, is the guy. Christian McCaffrey is the guy who we have to not have playing Monday night for the Vikings to have a chance to win this one. And it looks like with him being questionable, 50%, so that's 50 Maybe he will, maybe he won't. I don't know. I think he's going to play um how long he lasts though is another question he could take a you know a bleak injury take another hit or two maybe he's out of the game that would be really really great for the vikings it would really help them immensely uh in pulling off the upset here but almost at full strength with mccaffrey in the game i don't really see how the vikings defensively can stop san francisco enough to make a game out of this and i think that by the second half midway through the third quarter, this game probably gets away from the Vikings and it's a two touchdown loss for them. Uh, if McCaffrey's able to play a whole game and is that the kind of, uh, is playing at the level that he plays when he's, when he's relatively healthy. Um, and it'd be one thing if we had an offense that was really explosive and, and was operating really well, but that is not happening right now. And so, um, and then you're going up against one of the best defenses in the NFL. <laughs> like the 49ers have very great players on a lot of levels. You got mm-hmm. Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, Fred Warner, Greenlaw. In the secondary, you got Chardavius Ward. And even that Hufanga, the safety, I really like him. So they are a team that they make gaining yards. Moving the ball on the San Francisco 49ers defense is not a good time, Dave. They make every yard tough on you. You know, right. uh, they, they put a lot of pressure on you. Uh, they can get after it. Nick Bosa is a guy that he just, not only is he phenomenally talented, strong as a bull, but he never takes a play off either. Like you've he's got to be player. on him a hundred percent all the time until the whistles blows or else he's going to make you look silly. Uh, and again, like with the, without Justin, even with Justin Jefferson, it'd be tough for the Vikings offense to, to, turn off enough positive gains get enough first downs to score points uh without Justin Jefferson and especially what we saw against against the, the bears you know i don't know you know i would be i'd be shocked if the vikings offense scored two touchdowns on these guys just by themselves um they'll have to play the best game they've ever played <laughs> to, they to, they have it within them they just have to get uh but we have not we have not seen it. that that ability yeah. in the first six games. So what, how is it going to suddenly come out against the Forty Nineers? Um, I think if we the, for the Vikings to have a chance to pull off the upset again, McCaffrey even with McCaffrey out of the game, I think a few things you'd have to have happen. One, uh, Kenny Wong Wu is back. He'll probably be returning kickoffs. Uh, We've got it. He's got to take one to the house, Dave, or have a couple of returns that are long returns that give the Vikings a very, very short field so they can get points without having to do a whole hell of a lot. Uh, I don't know if that I don't know if he's going to get the opportunity, though. Uh, They got a new rookie kicker. If Robbie Gould was the 49ers kicker, even Mm -hmm. inside, I'd say Kenny Wong was going to have a couple of opportunities to get big returns. But Moody is the rookie got a bigger leg and they're indoors. So the elements won't be an issue. I don't know if one was going and get a chance to even return one kick, uh, but if he does or gets a couple of chances, he's got to take one to the house. Um, yeah. And we haven't seen him
1: since the injury. So this yeah. is going to be
0: interesting. Uh, I think if you're, the other thing is, you know, other than this, the the personnel things we mentioned about starting Cam makers instead of Alexander Madison, the more uh, using more play action, I think, if you're KOC, hey, man, uh, get that trick play or trick plays. I hope you are working on one or two, really drilling it during this week, and then you save it, save it, set it up, and then use it like the Lions used a few weeks ago, so they had that reverse, and then they had through to Laporta who was wide open for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Get Have a trick play that the 49ers are not expecting, and you catch him napping, and you get a big explosive play that goes for a touchdown or, again, for a long, long gain that, again, makes it easier on your offense. You need one of those. Surprise. Same thing with Matt Daniels on special teams. Uh, you, we've run one fake punt this year. I'd be working on another one again. <laughs> Fine. Pick the right time to do it. Have Ryan Wright throw a pass to Jalen Naylor or whoever is out there, something, again, that catches the 49ers napping, gets you an extra drive, an an extra explosive play, gets you some easy points. That's a few things that I think got to happen. And the Vikings, again, duh, they can't turn the ball over this week. Not even one. One is too many against the 49ers. And I think they've got to at least, and Mateo was talking about it below, I think they've got to create at least two defense turnovers themselves, at least two mm-hmm. in this game, And preferably in the 49ers territory. So, again, we get the offense gets the ball deep in the 49ers territory and gets some free, easy points without having to do a whole hell of a lot. Uh, I think those are some of the things that have to go right that the Vikings have to do to pull off the upset. And that's a lot of things that are, are unlikely to happen that have to happen for the Vikings to win. But, you know, that's how I'm seeing it. I think if you go mano on mano, play after play and each team plays the way they have, there's no way the Vikings win this game. Um, But, hey, I don't know. Like every year, Dave, I say um, it'd be good if the, you know, I'm really looking for that game or those games where the Vikings win when you don't expect them to win, where they punch above their weight. And this is one of those times where it has to happen for the season to turn itself around. We didn't see a lot of that in the, under Zimmer in the last few years. Last year, finally, with Kevin O'Connell, we did see it against that Buffalo game. I thought there was no way we'd beat Buffalo in Buffalo. We did it. We punched above our weight in that one. We played a great, a very good, solid road game against a very good team. Uh, yes, you're dead. that's going to be something to watch and very important. I think Darisaw can handle that. Um, he's handled everybody else, but it, it's it'll be his biggest challenge. But The Vikings have to, this is a game where, hey, surprise us. Win when we don't expect it. Play your best game when you need it the most. That's what we need to see Monday night against the 49ers. Anything less than the best effort we've had all season is going to result in in another loss for the Vikings, and they're going to go 0-4 at home, and it's going to put their playoff chances even deeper, deeper in the hole than they already are. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes.
1: And it'll crank up the talk about, Sell the assets. Yes, which which of course, after
0: the win, even as poor as it was, died down quite a bit this week. Uh, you didn't. There were even reports that Hunter. You know, the Vikings aren't looking to get rid of Hunter. You know, they've gotten inquiries, but they're not actively shopping him and that sort of thing.
1: Well, I don't think and there's reports. The front office has been open for business. They're fielding calls. I think they're. As to. I said earlier, prepping the battlefield. They're saying, all right, you're interested in Daniel Hunter, what you willing to offer. And yep. they go on from there. And they even crazy could say a minimum cost will be a first. um, Second, at, you know, at worst, but we want a first. So, and he, he's going to always say it's high. But a first, you know, and then that's where it makes when it comes to Hunter Jacksonville so appealing because they don't have a second and a third. They would have to give away a first. Um, But we're not there yet. But he's sitting there taking phone calls. You know, Jacksonville's interested. Buffalo's interested, you know, and he's making a list, checking it twice, see how it goes. And I'm sure one of them might be for Kirk Cousins there's probably plenty of, how, well, how would you think of trading Therisaw? Click, you know, <laughs> laugh. <laughs> no. Um, thanks for playing. Anybody else you interested in? Yeah. But we'll see. They, hey, if they pull out this win, if Kevin O'Connell pulls it out of his posterior and the Vikings play their best game yet, the who was saying it was Justin this is this is would be probably the turning point game because they go hey we beat the best team in the NFC and without a doubt San Francisco is uh no offense to Eagles fans but San Francisco is better and uh, no offense to Detroit fans you know what your history so um <laughs> it would be San Francisco. If they pull this out, attitudes are going to swing and swing big because, oh, my God, we beat San Francisco. Now let's go beat Green Bay because if you go beat San Francisco and then lose to the shitty Packers, uh, you don't want to do that. Um, Aaron, you're putting money on the game on the Vikings winning? (laughs) Okay, buddy. What are you doing? I'm sure the odds are favorable on that one. (laughs) I'd like to know. But, uh, hey, if we play our best game relatively mistake-free, don't turn over the ball, get turnovers on defense, play aggressive on defense, there's a chance. On any given Sunday, there's always a chance. The Grandizer did mention
0: about the whole, um, well, the 49ers lost to the Browns last week and the, so the, you know the vikings have a chance and they lost to the browns with pj walker <laughs> as the quarterback yeah but the um, browns have the the best defense little, in the yeah that th- that's the thing like the the thing is that the, the browns have the best defense in the league right now as good as the 49ers are the browns are probably better and or at least at the same level and the vikings although improving defense they are not at the browns level uh, mm-hmm. the, i don't think they have the ability to keep the 49ers down the way the browns are able to do and the Browns did that, but again, remember, Christopher McCaffrey and Trent Williams, or, or sorry, Debo Samuel, both went out relatively early in those games. So the 49ers did not have them uh, later on in the game. And when they did have them, they were up 10-0. So if McCaffrey's playing uh, that, and he plays the whole game, and he's uh, and he's you know pretty about close to 100%, and he's playing like he normally plays against this Vikings defense, You know, with the fact that they still got Brandon Ayuk, they still got George Kittle to to use, still got Jennings to use. I think you know it's a pretty, it's a different animal than when what happened last week against Cleveland. But there's always a chance in the NFL. But uh, you know, I'm not really, I'm not really feeling very optimistic.
1: (laughs) Now, the question is, they've, they've, the Vikings so far this year has come in within the within the spread. Yeah the spread is a full touchdown. Do the Vikings keep it within the spread?
0: Um every game they played this this year uh this season has been close. So why wouldn't another one be even though they're playing the best team in the NFL? That's what you'd you'd think and, and that just the things that they last play, year or so for the most part. Yeah. But uh I I think that this is not going to be a close game, that the 49ers are going to take us to the the woodshed a bit uh, with a 10 points or more victory eventually. uh, And that's that's how I'm feeling about it. Unless McCaffrey's out. And then even then, I'm not convinced that our defense can do enough to rattle Purdy and keep Ayuk and Kittle down. um, Even if they're improved, I just, yeah along with the defense that we got to face and what they can do and the turnovers that they can create when we've been turnover prone all season. Mm -hmm. It's just a lot of things that don't really feel right to me. Matchup wise, uh, even with the 49ers hurting a bit that uh, indicates to me that this game isn't going to be, this will be the first game that isn't close that the Vikings play. And it's not going to be close
1: in our, and it it won't be in our favor either. Last week or last year, we had two blowout games. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, so it could happen again this year. We'll see. Yep. We shall see. Um, Justin put up that the Gophers are 12, Hawkeyes 10 with 833. That's a higher score game than I thought it would be there, Justin. Um, talking about taking football back a few years, that is one of them. But <laughs> as Northfield says, go Gophers have hmm. watch tight ends on Iowa because they produce a shit ton of them they sure do and offensive linemen mm-hmm. so we got a great defense 49ers defense hold my beer said the Browns yes you got that right Grandizer um, yes Ted better than make the playoffs than not can't imagine cheering on another team during postseason I don't. And, and that is the um, that, is the, Wilf,
0: that yeah. is the that is the that is their uh, you know merchant orders for Kwaystie and Kevin O'Connell I think is that uh, that's why I don't even know if we'll be if we'd be sellers even if we lose Monday right. night because Wolf's just ain't into that tanking thing and selling off all assets.
1: Yeah and it's entertaining and Ted been there before we haven't it's rare that we haven't made it in the playoffs but we just enjoy the games and Root against our enemies. That's the Vikings yeah. way. Um, like I said at the beginning of the week, or at the show, if you're having a rough week, a vet that's having a rough week because of what's happening in the world, give me a call. We can talk it out, drink a couple beers, bullshit a while. Things will be better, <laughs> unless it's Ted. Ted can go <laughs> crying his uh, sour whatever he drinks. He's a. Uh, It'll be a longer. Uh, but it's just Ted was a pampered pilot for a long time. He doesn't need it. So, with that, any last words?
0: I have talked a lot, uh, even even as 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 pessimistic as I is as I have been in this show about the Vikings' chances against the Ford ers. Still looking forward to watching the game and the Vikings surprising me
1: mm-hmm. in a good way. Uh, Let's all hope. Now, don't forget, because it's Monday night, Vikings First and Skull. (laughs) I love you too, Ted. Um, (laughs) Vikings First and Skull will have the Real Forno Show at 6 p.m. On Monday, live here on the Vikings First and Skull channel. And it will be a special one because Justin Day of Purple and Gold for Days and our partner in podcasts will join the show as well. And also, any member that wants to, that belongs to the Vikings First and Skull YouTube page, can join us on the show as we talk in the run up where we're combining Justin's pregame show and Tyler's real photo show right before the game then we get to kickoff what happens at kickoff yes Ted Fat Hawkinson will be or uh, Hawkinson will be live then we get to kickoff and Justin takes over Justin over on his channel, Purple and Gold for Days, is going to have a watch party. So join him in watching the game. I will be. I'll have him on my computer and a game on the TV. And we'll be watching and yelling at stupid plays across the way or cheering on fantastic ones. Like, man, did you see Addison catch that? Stuff like that, for an example. And give Mm-hmm. Kevin O'Connell, let's do that. Um, with that, join us again on Vikings First and Skull as we go live at the final two minute warning. We get there, we'll go live. Everybody will join us on that one as we watch the last two minutes together and we have fun. We'll comment, we'll react with you. And we'll see how it goes from there. And then, <laughs> after what over five hours, Justin may get a break before he has to do another post game. So it's going to be fun. You gotta uh, uh, bring it up for all of us. And Justin, it's going to be a good day. But it's uh but that's what we've got coming up, folks. That's what we got coming up. What are you watching tomorrow, Darren? I'm usually
0: tracking the uh, other NFC North teams and just uh, not so much the bears. Cause they're one and five and I'm not too, thanks Ted. Have a good day. Uh, not so much the bears, but certainly I, I'm always enjoying watching the Packers lose. And now I'm going to be hoping that it seems we're in an alternate universe here, but, uh, hoping that the lions
1: lose <laughs> because they're actually good this year and, and that's really. going to be a good game they play the ravens yep. that's gonna be yep. a real good game the packers yes i hope they lose against denver because denver stinks oh they're bad um we'll find out i'll usually generally watch the red zone channel but we'll see how that goes I just kind of, I kind of, I've got the, I've got the
0: uh, streaming too. So I just kind of, I'm checking how the games are going. And if there's a close one that, you know, as two teams that I'm interested, I'll just switch to that game and watch for a while. Yep.
1: But it's going to be a relaxing Sunday because the Vikings aren't playing. They aren't playing. Uh, I have one last announcement. Tonight at eight o'clock, and I don't have it up, over on, Niner sickness podcast. I uh, gotta go. I will be joining him, Beto. I will mm-hmm. be joining Beto live at eight o'clock central for the Niners now podcast as we go live on his channel. We're going to try to get it, to hopefully, simulcast to Irish, but I don't think I'm going to get that set up in time, but on his channel, we're going to talk Niners, Vikings, and we'll go from there, and everybody here, or a lot of people in the chat know Beto, he's come on our show quite a few times, he's a good man who happens to root for San Francisco 49ers, and they whine, they haven't won a Super Bowl, and... long time and they're whining about it and I shed all sorts of big crocodile tears for him and I will do again so tonight. So if you want some fun as we rib each other, that'll be 8 o'clock central on the Niners Now podcast. So join us. With that, last words everybody. Thanks everybody for watching and Skull Vikings baby! Skull Vikings. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And rate us on your favorite podcast aggregator. Darren and Dave, thank you for watching this episode of Two Old Bloggers. We look forward to seeing you on every show on the new Vikings First and Skull. You can find our podcast as part of the Fans First Sports Network. Sports takes for the fan, from the fan. Skull, everybody! This has been a Vikings First and Skull production. Part of the Fans First Sports Network.